we start. We are at the end. Only in the moment. Um, letter. <laughs> Sorry. After one year, we will end today with the letter to the Romans. After that, we will start not with the Corinthians. I prayed and think about it. I really want to um, talk about Jesus' words himself. So we will start with the Matthew Gospel. I'm really looking forward to it. It will be really good. I don't know if we start next week or another sermon in between. But in the future, we will go through the Matthew Gospel. I want to pray. Lord, we thank you that we have your living word, that you talk to us. Thank you that your word is always actual. Nevertheless, how old it is. You are the eternity. You're talking to every generation in every situation. You are God. And it's possible for you. We pray that you open our hearts today. That you talk to us. We praise you for your presence. For your mighty word. And we pray that you work through us and talk to us and talk through me. Amen. <laughs> Normally I read the Schlachter translation, but today it's the new Genther translation. It's good for the reading comprehension. It's a little bit easier. <laughs> The text today is really hard to read because of all the names, and the names aren't easy. <laughs> we read the f in th at the beginning the first one to 16. Personal greetings. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Kentria. I asked you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friends 
Stachys, greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis. Greet Herodion, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen on the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Plegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister. And Olympus and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. So beautiful names. What kind of person was Paul? We know him as a hardliner who against all odds proclaims the message of the gospel in all clarity. He was in prison as one who clearly called sin by its name bitterly fights legalism and does everything to present the bride of Christ, the church, you and I, holy and blameless before his Lord, our Lord. We are the bride before Christ. But equally, he's a man full of grace, love and compassion, willing to lay down his life completely to the Lord in order to bring each one to the knowledge of the truth. Moreover, when we read his concluding words today, we realized that he was a relational man. He lists 26 people by name, plus a few more whom he does not name individually, as in verse 11, greets those of the house of Narcissus. The many friends he had in Rome were definitely a reason why it was his desire to travel to Rome. He hoped to be refreshed through fellowship with his friends, as we read in the previous chapter, 1524. But his love was not only for the Christians in Rome, but for all his brothers and sisters in the various churches. To the church in Thessalonica, for example, he writes in 1 Thessalonica 2.8, We had taken you so much to our hearts that we were ready not only to share God's good news with you, but also to share our, our own lives with you. It was more than just pray the word. He loved them and he shared his life with them. When Paul admonished Christians many times in his letters, it was out of love for them. 
love that seeks the best for man and love for his Lord, for whose honor and pleasure he lived. The first that I also try to make my own as a leader, Paul writes to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians, verse 24. Not whether you would be lords over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy, because you stand firm in the faith. Help us of your joy. He wants that the people know the joy in Jesus. Paul was not a moral apostle who dictated to the people commandments for a holy way of life. Rather, he led the people into a living, grace-filled relationship with Jesus from which a holy and pleasing life develops from within, in which God and man have joy. In his letters, he does not question the faith of the Christian, as we see here in the first to the Corinthians and also in Romans in chapter 15 and 16, but, but he speaks faith, knowledge, and obedience to them and encourages them to become firm in it. And this not from above, but as a friend who comes to their side and walks a little way with them, sharing his life with them as we have just read. This is how I should and want to lead you, my church. And I also want to encourage all other leaders of our church to lead in the same way. Maybe also us as parents. We know leaders and also parents who are rather hardliners. They admonish and dictate from above. Maybe you have such a parent. Certainly with a good motivation, which I do not want to question but they lack the emphatic and gracious side. On the other hand, they are the best bodies leaders who lead on the friendly level. It's all time so easy. But they lack clarity, rigor, and perhaps the necessary fear of God. Paul combined both sides in himself and was and still is an outstanding leader. He was clear but also graceful. A good leader is recognized by the fact that people follow him. All the people Paul lists here were people who followed him 
Rather, I want to say, who follow Jesus, those nature become visible in Paul, and thus supported his ministry for the gospel. Starting with Thebe, a diaconess of the church in Kenshrea. One can assume from her title that she had a leading function in the church there. Perhaps this was also the reason why Paul chose her to deliver the letter to the Romans to the church in Rome. Paul commends Phoebe to the Christians in Rome and asks them to stand by her and support her in whatever she needs just as she too had been a soaker and help to many and to Paul himself. Then Paul greets the couple Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila. His names are sometimes in the Bible. They are the close companions of Paul. In Acts 18 alone, they are mentioned three times. It is said here that they even risked their lives to save Paul's life. Further, Paul greets Epinetus. He was the first to accept the gospel in Achaia. Probably this was the reason why Paul had a particularly warm relationship with him. With Epenetus, Paul calls four of his friends beloved. Uh, not in the New Genther translation, but in many other translations that are closer to the original text. But in these um, older translations, it says beloved. He calls four of his friends beloved. When I read this, I had to think of the friendship between David and Jonathan. King David and Jonathan, the son of King Saul. It says in 1 Samuel 20, 17 that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. There's no deeper friendly love than when God joins two hearts that love their Lord. Paul obviously had several of these deep friendly relationships in the Lord, which says an incredible amount about Paul. Paul. He was a relational man. There was deep, deeply love. It is these relationships that reflect the love of Jesus to each one of us to some extent. We are the beloved of Jesus. We are his beloved. There's no one greater than the one who gives his life for his friends. How great is this? 
Then he greets Mary, Adronicus and Junior, probably a married couple. Amplias, Urbanus and Stachys, Apelles, who proved himself in faith in Christ. He greets the house of Aristobulus and Narcissus, Persis, Troia, and, and, and. It is interesting if we look at what kind of qualities or even deeds Paul highlights in his friends and supporters. Here we have obedience, hospitality, hospitality, service, cooperation, assistance, proving oneself in the faith, willingness to give one's life. These are all the characters of his friends. Of true, he says that they worked tirelessly, highlighting them both were women, Mary and Persis. I believe that Mary and Persis were not aware of how precious their tireless work for the Lord was. Surely we also went through discouraging phases from time to time, where they wondered why they were taking all the work upon themselves and whether anyone would ever see them and thank them. Today, we read their names in the Bible. For 2,000 years, millions and millions of people have heard about their faithful and tireless work. The two were not aware how precious their work was. Some of the people we read about here in chapter 16 are also mentioned in other parts of the Bible. So we get an idea of what their service to the Lord was like. And I wish we knew the story of each person. But on the other hand, it is good that we do not know them, that we do not know what the lives of Mary and Persis and the many others were like, because that way each of us can identify with them. This year's annual motto is you are a God who sees me. God sees you and your dedication, your tireless work for him, your service, your heart. We all go through discouraging times where we question ourselves and our work and the family, and the community. And no one thanks us Maybe they even didn't know. But God sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your service, your love. You are on his list. Chapter 16 in Roman is just one example for all those who serve the Lord faithfully. It 
if Paul would live here today with us, maybe there would be our names on his list. Paul was an outstanding man of God. But his ministry for the gospel would not have worked without all those he names here. We see throughout the Bible that God calls individuals to be leaders who go ahead, who have visions. But it is the body, the church, that carries the work. Our church only works with you. Your cooperation in the various areas makes church work possible. It's precious for Jesus. Of course, we all know that God does not need us in theory, but he has chosen to work through us. And thus, build his church here in Münster. So he appreciates and rejoices in lives that make themselves available to him for his work. He's thankful for everyone who gives all to him money, time. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul writes, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which he hath shewed me is not in vain, by, but I have labored more than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. The grace of God within me works throughout me and built his kingdom. Before Paul writes the final closing words, there is an insertion to remind the church of an important matter on his mind. It was so important for Paul to say it at the end. Verses 17 to 20. I want to warn you against those who depart from the doctrine as you have been taught causing divisions and endangering the faith of others. Beware of them, brothers and sisters, and get out of their way, for such people do not serve Christ our Lord, but their own lusts, deceiving jalebi people with impressive speeches and flattering words. However, I can only rejoice over you because it is known to all that you live in accordance with the gospel. He encouraged the church again. And I want you to continue to be filled with wisdom and thereby enabled to do good, not to be influenced by evil. Only a little while longer, and then the God of peace will crush Satan and make you triumph over him. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Right at the beginning of the Christian church, before 2,000 years, false doctrines appeared. 
it is not said what these teachings included, but in the epistle to the Galatians, for example, it speaks of a different gospel, which was contrary to the true gospel. Paul warns against these false doctrines where Satan, the liar, and the confounder has done his necessary and encouraged the Christians to stand firm in the truth as it has been taught to them. And thus overcome the false doctrine with the confidence that Jesus has already won the victory over the deceiver and he will be completely crushed in the end. In many other places in the New Testament, there are warnings against false doctrine. And I would like to read a passage from 2 Timotheus 4, verses 2 to 5, because the kind of false doctrine concerns the church today. Paul encouraged Timothy, Timothy here in this passage to hold fast to the message of God. Proclaim the message of God. Stand up for it, whether it is wanted or not. Reveal guilt, rebuke, exhort, and encourage, not lacking the necessary patience and thorough instruction. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound teaching of the gospel. Instead, they will choose teachers who conform to their own ideas and who tell them what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and turn to legends and speculations. But you are to remain prudent whatever happens. Be ready to suffer unswervingly fulfill your commission as a preacher of the gospel. Exercise your ministry with complete faithfulness. Three verses earlier in chapter 3.16, Paul writes, For everything written in the scriptures is inspired by God's Spirit. Wherever we stay from this truth about God's word itself, false doctrine is not far behind. The popular teachings today proclaim that people, what people want to hear. They question the authority of God's word. Colossians 2.8 puts, puts it this way. Beware of those who want to capture you with an empty, deceptive philosophy with use of purely human origin, where everything revolves around the principles that rule in this world and not around Christ. As a pastor, I have to deal with such teachings. I noted during a lecture given by a very educated Bible speaker His teaching exclusively serves the mind. 
His teaching exclusively serves the mind and the spirit remains completely empty. Why? Because everything revolves around principles that rule in the world and not around Christ. The best way to expose false doctrine is then God's perfect word confirmed by the spirit in our hearts and bringing about change is preached. It's the better way to proclaim the true gospel and everything else will vanish. We still read the concluding verses. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you as to Lucius, Jason, and Zosipata, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, those hospitality I and the whole church he enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. But now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that other Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Gen to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Nobody writes as long sentence as Paul. Finally, Paul's co-workers who were in, the, were in his direct environment greet the church in Rome. To be honest, I was not aware that Paul had a scribe for his letter, Tertius, who also greets the recipients of the letter. Paul's greatest wish for the Christians which is also visible in his last words, is that their faith is strengthened. This is the wish for the church in Rome and the wish for us today, that our faith is strengthened in Jesus. Faith is strengthened when it is built up in the truth of the gospel. If not God's word, the gospel is the foundation of our faith, but only a philosophy about God, which has been built on the wisdom of man, then we stand on sand.
uh, maybe second years ago, two years ago, I uh, talked to a person about my faith, but she told me um, that she had her own philosophy, and I asked her only one question. And her faith broke. What is your foundation? What is your security that your philosophy is the truth? She didn't have an answer. She had to think about it. Only the word inspired by God, the truth we have today, can be the foundation of your faith, of our faith. Not an idea or a philosophy we build up um, ourselves. A secret, secret kept hidden since time immemorial. What is Paul trying to say here? Before Jesus came into the world, God's plan of man's redemption was a mystery. Although God had announced much of his plan before through prophecy in the Old Testament, yet the exact plan was not evident until God revealed it through Jesus. The gospel. God comes to us in his love and gives us salvation in Jesus. David Kuzik writes in conclusion to the letter to the Romans. If there's anything that explains the book of Romans from beginning to end, it is the greatness and glory of this plan of God that Paul proclaimed as gospel, as good news. It is perfectly right for Paul to conclude this letter by praising the God of such a gospel. The good news that Paul proclaimed introduced the God who glorified himself through Jesus Christ and his work, and who will glorify himself in this way for eternity. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you speak through your word. We thank you for the letters to the Romans. Lord, is such a deep and lovely way to reveal your gospel. It explains your love that comes through the he heaven, from heaven to give us salvation. We thank you that this letter is full of love that you have for us, but also all the clarity that the sin parts us from you and that we need forgiveness. And it's only the salvation through Jesus on the cross. And I pray that this clarity is always before our eyes and that it will be our foundation I pray 
that we don't follow the false doctrine. And I thank you that you work through us, that you want to build your kingdom through us, just like Mary and Persis and all the others, that you work through them. And you want to work through us, and you are God who sees us. And our service for you is so precious in your eyes. Thank you that we are allowed to serve you, the Holy Lord, and there's nothing better and precious than you. Please prepare us for this service. We praise you and worship you. Amen. <laughs>